Well, good morning, everyone. You can open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We'll be in Colossians 3, verses 18 through Colossians 4, chapter 1, or verse 1, rather. I was uh, commenting to my wife, April, uh, this week. It would have been so much better if I could have preached on these verses 20 years ago when I knew so much more about marriage and raising children. I feel like over the last 20 years, I've uh, I've lost knowledge on these things. I thought I knew uh, what was right and what was wrong. But as we come to God's word, we do receive wisdom, wisdom about these relationships that we find ourselves in. Over the last several weeks, we've continued to focus our attention here on this central idea of union with Christ. And how through faith in Christ we are joined to Him. And that we are to then set our minds upon Christ as He is seated at the right hand of God. Knowing that we are one with Him. And this then affects our lives. The way that we live, the way that we interact with one another. And here in verses 18 and following, we see how this heavenly ethic, is to have an effect on our earthly relationships. So if you would, turn your attention now to verse 18 of Colossians chapter 3. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let us pray. Father, we come now to You in this time and we ask that You would give us wisdom. That You would give us insight to Your Word. Father, I pray that You would guide us by Your Word and Spirit. That in Your light we may see light. And in Your truth we might find freedom. And in Your will for our lives and our relationships that we would discover Your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, how do we know what is right and what is wrong? In a world that is constantly changing its views on a host of issues, how do we make decisions about how we are to treat one another? How are wives to relate to their husbands? How are parents to relate to their children? How are those in authority to relate to those under their authority? 
And how are those under authority to relate to their superiors? The question of ethics may be one of the most pressing of the 21st century. People seem to have less and less direction and stability in the way that they make decisions concerning behavior and relationships. Lifestyles that were clearly unethical in the eyes of our society 20 years ago are now widely accepted. And in 20 years from now, who knows what ethical boundaries could be crossed. But how do we as Christians know what is right and what is wrong? How do we make judgments about how we are to function within our family relationships? How are we to make decisions about what we should do? Now, some have argued that we make judgments based upon absolute principles that never change. Right? A lie is a lie, and it's always wrong to lie. So if you are hiding Christians from Romans who are coming to persecute them, and the Romans come to your door and say, are you hiding Christians? You say, yes, I am hiding Christians. Because it's always wrong to tell a lie. Others would say, no, no, we shouldn't judge right and wrong based on absolute standards. That is too impractical. What really matters is the motive. A lie is only wrong if it is motivated out of a desire to do harm. But if you are motivated by love, then you can lie. And still others would say, it's not absolute principles and it's not motives that matter. It's the overall good that matters. Is good produced by your action? If your lie would save a life, then lie. It doesn't matter if your motive is pure. It doesn't matter that God's word says you shall not bear false witness. If your lie saves a life, then you should lie. So what is the basis of right and wrong? What is the right approach? In our passage for this morning, Paul lays out for us the application of a new heavenly ethic. We are to set our minds on things that are above where Christ is. But that heavenly perspective must be applied to real life situations. Christians are not like Tibetan Buddhist monks that isolate themselves in temples on top of the Himalayas. Nor are we ivory tower academics who spend our whole lives in abstract thought. Setting our mind on the things that are above that should have great effect on how we live our lives below. Having a heavenly perspective should equip you to live an earthly life. And so Paul quickly goes from looking to Christ to living in the real world. Yes, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. But that reality does not mean that while we are on earth that we cease to be husbands and wives, children and parents, servants and masters. Our heavenly ethic must be lived out in our earthly realities. In our text for this morning, what we will see is that to live out our Christian faith, we must be rooted in the Lordship of Christ, motivated out of love, and apply it in earthly relationships to the glory of God. 
The first thing that we see is that to live out our Christian faith, everyone must submit to Christ as Lord. Look down at your text and you will see the priority of Christ's Lordship woven throughout the text, starting in verse 18. And we'll just skip through this section. See how often the Lord comes in. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Verse 22, we are to be fearing the Lord. Verse 23, working heartily as for the Lord, not for men. From the Lord you will receive the inheritance of, as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And then in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says masters, but it's the exact same word in the original Greek as Lord. So it could be lords. Treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a Lord in heaven. It is quite clear from our text that the way we live is to be in submission to the Lordship of Christ. Now what does that mean? Well, the Lordship of Christ means that He has the authority to command us what is right and what is wrong. As Lord, He has the right to establish what we should do and what we should refrain from doing. When God revealed Himself to Moses, He revealed Himself as the Lord. When God delivered the Ten Commandments, He said to the people of Israel, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before Me. And Jesus says to His disciples, Why do you call Me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You see, if Jesus Christ is Lord then He has absolute authority to tell His people how we are to live. He has the right to command every aspect of our lives and we are obligated to obey Him. We are not to doubt or to question His Word. We are not to elevate any other authority over Him. As Lord, Christ demands His Lordship transcend every other authority and loyalty in your life. You owe Him absolute fidelity in every way that you can imagine. Now, we tend to balk at this idea of absolute authority. We have ingrained in our minds that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And while this maxim holds true in earthly authorities, it's not true of Christ. For as Paul has already established, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. You see, when we are making choices about right and wrong, we must know that there is an absolute unchanging standard of what is right and wrong, and that standard is the Word of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. 
The Lordship of Christ means that we must submit to Him and we must submit to His Word as the absolute and eternal unchanging authority concerning what is right and wrong in this world. And yet, we might say, doesn't that sound a bit legalistic? Absolute moral standards that must always be followed? Maybe you're saying to yourself, I thought this was a Presbyterian church. That sounds a a bit pharisaical. Well, you are in a Presbyterian church. One that recognizes the absolute, eternal, and unchanging authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in His Word. And yet, there's more to our understanding of relationships and morality than bare commands. While we submit to the Lordship of Christ, as we read our text, we see that we must also be motivated and empowered by the love of Christ. The Word of God did not remain a command, an abstract command from on high, but rather, as John 1 tells us, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus didn't just command obedience, He lived obedience. The incarnation means that the Word was not separate from us, but became one with us and lived among us. So not only do we have the command to obey in Christ, but we are given the example and the power to obey in Christ. And so when we look at the commands that are given to us in our passage for this morning, we see that our motive matters. How we do these things matters. Whether it's in a marriage or in a family relationship, we are to act with sincerity of heart. So look at verse 22 of your text. It says there, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. You see, the attitude or the mind that we have is to affect the way that we obey and the way that we lead. When it comes to our ethic, the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ is to motivate us. And so when we look to his example, we see that when he was in a place of authority, he did not use his authority to his own advantage, but rather because of his great love for us, the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. The second person of the Trinity. The one through whom and for whom everything was created. The Lord Himself, motivated out of love, used His position of authority to bless those who were under His authority. He humbled Himself and He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so when we set our eyes above where Christ is, we see a Lord, but we see a Lord with pierced hands. We see the Lamb who was slain sitting upon the throne. We see a Lord who gave Himself up for His church because He loved His church and He desired to cleanse her of her sin. And when we find ourselves in places of authority, 
That is the mind that we are to have. To give ourselves up. To bless those who are under our authority. And when the Lord emptied Himself by taking up a human nature, He submitted Himself to human authorities. The Word of God tells us that He submitted Himself to His parents' authority. The Word of God tells us that He submitted Himself to the judgments of evil authorities. And ultimately, the Word of God tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ submitted Himself to the will of His heavenly Father. Why? For the sake of love. The motivation for Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection was love for His people. A love that motivated Him to use His authority to serve and to use His submission to save. And therefore, to have a heavenly ethic a judgment of what is right and wrong rooted in Christ, we too must reflect His love both in our relationships of authority and of submission. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, you are to submit to your husbands as is pleasing in the Lord. Parents, you are to be gentle with your children, not provoking them to bitterness and wrath, just as our Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love to us. And children, you are to obey your parents, even as our Lord Jesus Christ submitted Himself to obey His earthly parents. And earthly masters, they are to be fair and just, even as our Lord is just and fair to those who have faith in Him. And servants are to serve their earthly masters with love, knowing that ultimately they are not serving an earthly master, but ultimately they are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we must submit to the Lord. All of us must submit to the Lord. We must be motivated out of the love of Christ. And finally, what we see in our text is that we must live out this heavenly ethic in earthly relationships to the glory of God. You see, there is a contrast going on in our text between earthly and heavenly. While we have been raised with Christ, seated with Him in the heavenly realm, we also remain in this earthly realm. And so in verses 22 and then in verse 4-1, we read, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. You see, marriage, family, and servanthood, these are all earthly realities. And because they are earthly They are broken by sin. And one day they will come to an end. And now it's important to note that marriage and family are two institutions that were created by God. Headship and submission between husband and wife are part of God's creation order. Care and obedience between parents and children are ordained by God. Servanthood or slavery, on the other hand, is not an institution that's established by God. 
Slavery is a result of the fall. It is an earthly relationship that was a prominent aspect of Roman culture at the time that Paul was writing this. But ultimately, the institution was undermined by the gospel. Yet Paul's aim in this passage is not to overthrow an unjust system of slavery, let alone institutions established by God. Rather, it's to explain that our heavenly ethic must be lived out in the broken earthly relationships in which we find ourselves. You see, we must obey the Word of Christ and be motivated out of love in all of our earthly relationships. That means that if we are in the position of authority, we bless those under our care to the best of our ability, serving and giving of ourselves like Christ. It means that when we are under authority, we submit with love and care, seeking ultimately to please our heavenly husband, our heavenly father, our heavenly Lord. This also means that we are never to act in a way that would displease him. Christ trumps all other authorities. And so our submission is ultimately to our heavenly Lord, not our earthly one. And therefore, we never submit to sinful or abusive actions of those over us. Because in doing so, we are not submitting to Christ. But rather, out of love for Christ, we seek to display His character in all that we do. There will never be a perfect marriage, a perfect family, a perfect work environment. People are sinners. The world is broken. But that does not mean that we cannot apply our heavenly ethic. In whatever situation we find ourselves, we are called to obey the Word of Christ. We are called to love one another. For it is as we do this that we display the glory of God. For as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.3, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You see, all of our earthly relationships are coming to an end. There is a day when our earthly marriage will end. Marriage is a bond that's made until death do us part. And then it is over. In heaven, we will not be parents or children of one another, but brothers and sisters in the Lord. In heaven, there will be no slaves or earthly masters, but all honor and glory and power and submission and obedience will be rendered unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And there, all of us will join with every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. So, how do we decide what is right and what is wrong? Is it absolute rules? Is it our motivation? Is it the good that is produced? Which view is biblical? Well, ultimately, the answer is that they are all correct and that they are all transcended in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
In all that we do, we must follow the eternal, unchanging Word of Christ. We must be motivated out of the love of Christ. And we must seek to bring glory to Christ in all that we do. And this extends beyond the relationships that Paul addresses here in Colossians. But in all of our earthly relationships, we must seek the glory of Christ by reflecting the love of Christ. To do this, we begin at the cross. For there, the Word of God in love offered Himself up for the glory of God. It is at the cross that we learn to live for God's glory through obeying Christ's command to love one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us now go to the Lord, calling upon Him to apply to our hearts His Word. Father God, we come to You as Your children, submitting to the Word of Your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, O Father, that You would help us as we seek to apply this heavenly ethic to whatever earthly relationship we may find ourselves in, that we might ultimately submit to You and that You would be glorified. We pray, O God, that You would fill us with the love of Christ. We pray for those in positions of authority that You would give us, Lord, the grace to bless those, to give up our lives so that those under our authority might receive. And we pray, Lord, in the relationships in which we find ourselves called to submit, That we would do it for Your honor and Your glory, ultimately submitting to You, our heavenly Lord. We pray it all in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.